Hi there, it's Melvin. Just wanted to take a moment to thank the team over at Thryzer for supporting this month's podcast sessions. Thryzer is a payment platform that you have to check out if you are a private pay therapist and accepting out-of-network benefits. It basically helps clients save on therapy up front. Thryzer can help verify a client's out-of-network benefit ahead of the first session so that they get transparency up front on what their out-of-pocket costs will be. I'll tell you more about Thryzer here in the middle of our session, but if you go to sellingthecouch.com forward slash Thryzer, uh, you actually end, then enter the code STC upon sign up, you get your first $2,500 in fees waived. Again, that's over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash Thryzer, and be sure to enter the promo code STC. So we'll jump right into today's podcast session. Hello, hello. Welcome to session 136 of Selling the Couch. Hope you're having a fantastic day, and I hope that today's podcast finds you and your loved ones doing well. Today's podcast conversation is with Elizabeth Cush, or Biz, as she is known in the online space. Elizabeth is down in Annapolis, Maryland, and she has built a private practice that is focused exclusively on working with individuals with anxiety. And uh, Biz is actually a member, an active member of the Selling the Couch community. And one of the things I've just, I've noticed with her is just the way that she's been so thoughtful in how she's built her practice. She actually has a fairly unique story in that she actually went back and got her master's in her 50s. And then after she finished up, she actually jumped into private practice. So we will get right to today's conversation. We're going to cover a number of things, including how did Biz make that decision to leap into private practice? How did she niche down and decide to focus on working with those with anxiety? On her website, how how does she structure her website uh, in order to speak to her ideal clients? Some of the, the subtle things that she does. And then how does she actually write copy that speaks to her ideal clients? This episode is just chock full of information. You guys can find show notes over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash session and the number 136 if you want to follow along. Uh, you can also follow along on Biz's website at progressioncounseling.com because we're going to be covering a couple of things related to the website. Before we do get to today's podcast episode, I just wanted to take a moment to thank the folks over at Theranest for supporting today's podcast session. If you guys are looking for affordable and effective and private practice management software, I encourage you to check out Theranest. Uh, you can go to sellingthecouch.com forward slash Theranest, and that gives you a nice little discount off of services. So we'll get right to it. So here's my conversation with Elizabeth Cush from ProgressionCounseling.com. Hi, Elizabeth, a.k.a. Biz. Welcome to Selling the Couch. Hey, Melvin. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really honored to be here. So for those of you guys that are listening, like full self-disclosure, we actually had a whole conversation about, you know, <laughs> saying Elizabeth, aka Biz, or what should we say? So that's why I started laughing before I even... <laughs> 
too funny. Well, you know, it's hard. There was a period of time where I tried very hard to maintain that sort of split between professional Elizabeth and everyday regular world biz, but it bleeds. There's no way to, it just has, you know, it's hard to keep it separate and it's okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad you brought that up because I've had a similar struggle. I, I feel like, especially now in this online space of right wanting to keep things public and private and sort of the constant challenges that brings as well. No, I'm, yeah. I'm glad you said that. I wanted to actually start by talking about just your private practice journey. And even before we talk about the practice itself, how did you know that it was time to make that leap into private practice for you? So I sort of, I guess, I don't know if I did it differently than most people, but I am a late bloomer. I went, you know, I didn't go back to graduate school until I was 50. And so by the time I was ending, you know, graduating and ready to enter into the workforce, you know, I had quite a few friends who were already in private practice that they had done, uh, worked for groups or worked for community mental health organizations or whatever. So I had heard their stories of what private practice was like. And two people really encouraged me to just do that right out of the box to get that. So like I graduated and got licensed and then started my private practice. Now, that being said, of course, it takes time to build it. So I um, also then for a period of time worked part time at a group practice and then part time in my private practice while I because I guess most places but in Maryland, you know, you have to have a certain amount of hours as a licensed graduate professional counselor to then move on to the full licensure. So I did the group practice to sort of get my hours and supervision, and but also built my private practice and had supervision there as well. So I did it right away and just decided that I knew that was where I wanted to end up. Like I knew ultimately I only wanted to be in private practice, so I did it right away. I had no idea that you were a late bloomer, as you said. That's I assumed you know you'd been in private practice like a while. I wanted to ask. You said you were a lay bloomer and, you know, you went to grad school later. How do you think just those past life experiences really like prepped you for when you knew you were going to get or prepped you for private practice? It was they definitely, you know, shaped well, so definitely shaped my direction in terms of where I wanted to go. So I knew I that you know, after I graduated. So I also, you know, started college when everybody else does, you know, right out of high school and then stopped and then went back and got my undergraduate degree later. And then I have three kids. So then they had to go through college. And then it was my turn to go back for my master's. But I for the 10 years or nine years preceding, you know, up to the time I graduated with my master's and got fully licensed, I worked at a local hospital here in Annapolis as a crisis counselor. So I saw, you know, we were responsible for responding to domestic violence, sexual assault, child abuse, and vulnerable adult abuse victims. And so that was my job for a long time. And so, you know, I knew you know, while that experience was extremely rewarding and also helped me better understand how trauma affects people, you know, later in life or even in the moment. But I also knew that I wanted to do that deeper work. I wanted to really 
be more in depth with the client instead of like, because crisis work, you're with them for maybe, especially there at the hospital, it may be, well, it could vary, but oftentimes it was as short as like 10 minutes. You know, you're like, what do you need? Mm -hmm. How can I get you to the next thing? Or whether it was medical attention or, you know, a shelter or whatever it was, you know, it was very brief. Well, I mean, you're bringing up a really good point, which I think sometimes I feel like sometimes I'm able to remember this, which is you actually used your past experiences to inform and figure out who you wanted to work with and also who you didn't want to work with when you jumped into private practice. Yeah, because when I was in grad school, I was pretty sure I was going to work with kids. And that was like, I think that's what got me interested, you know, having my own kids and reading child psychology to make sure I was like, doing an okay job raising my own children. (laughs) But then, like, once I began working in crisis and just seeing, I don't know, this is going to sound not very compassionate maybe, but, like, seeing the family dynamics where there is child abuse and, like, it was way too hard. I was like, I don't know that I can do this. Like, I don't know that this is where I can best serve the people that I work with. Because it was just very difficult for me. So no, I don't think that's all like not compassionate, because I feel like part of our own outside of private practice, right? Like part of our own journeys is figuring out who we're meant to serve and in what Mm -hmm. capacity. And I think part of it just has to, yeah, there's multiple pieces there. So I I totally hear you on that. Yeah, I got the opportunity while I was there at the hospital where I worked at a drug and alcohol rehab center that was affiliated with the hospital, where I was able to do groups for women for, you know, it was mostly a psychoed group, but it was about the link between abuse and substance use. And that really kind of drove my passion to help women in general, but, you know, women who have struggled with past trauma and now are trying to find their way in the world. So not necessarily substance use, but sometimes substance use is kind of connected to that too. Right. So I guess when you were doing that group, did you get like an inkling as you were doing that group that this might be something you were going to do in private practice? Or did that, I guess that revelation or that insight come af kind of in the, you know, the time after? Yeah, no, I I definitely wanted to continue to do that. And I was able to through school, like, so in my grad program, we had this, you know, the professor for the group therapy, she was really amazing and had us actually run this interventionist group on campus where students volunteered to be like first responders for like sexual assault on campus. Mm or, you know, even domestic violence, but like how to spot it, how to support your friend, like, you know, and kind of walk these students who volunteered for these groups through that process. And that was super fun. So I really enjoyed that. And then at my internship, I was able to participate in groups. And so it took me a while. I mean, I shouldn't say a while because, you know, I got licensed through all this too. But But this, yeah, so now I'm offering groups and I'm really excited to get back into that mode because even though I know we were going to talk about that in this podcast, but like I haven't actually done a group in my private practice yet. So this will be my very first group since starting my private practice. So I'm hopeful so far I have a few people interested in in it and I'm hopeful that this will be a trend that I can continue. That's neat. So it's a women's group focused on trauma or? It's focused on mindfulness. So I 
have really incorporated mindfulness and meditation into my private practice because as I specialize in anxiety, oftentimes behind that anxiety, there is trauma and there is sort of a disconnection from feelings and a lot of reacting versus sort of being more present and intentional. And so my hope is that this group will just sort of be an opening point to that and get people who are interested in mindfulness. But then maybe the next group, if people want to continue, can be a deeper exploration into, you know, anxiety and how to manage it. Uh, It's so neat to like hear you talk about it, how this has all evolved from like grad school and a group that you were co-leading to, you know, I don't know, I just... I think about like a lot of these podcast interviews that I've had and, and one like key thing I just keep picking up on is you may have a plan or a path of what you want your private practice to look like. But well, a couple of things. One is giving yourself permission and realizing that it's not, it's going to evolve over time. Mm-hmm. And then the second thing is that all of the different services and options that you want in your private practice, all of that's not going to be there necessarily on day one, you know? Yes. And that's hard for me sometimes because, first of all, I'm not very good at multitasking. So if I'm like when I was getting my full licensure, like all I could think about was like, do I have the hours? Do I have enough supervision hours? Like I like every day I think I was tallying like, am I there yet? Am I there yet? And so like I couldn't even, I don't know, it was hard for me to think beyond like that moment. So Mm. now that I'm here and I've kind of settled into my private practice and more fully and it feels really like mine now, it's like, okay, now I can give myself permission to do this next thing, even though it's really scary. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like it is, it's one of the biggest challenges of being a small business owner that, you know, as you evolve and create these new products and services, it brings up some of those old feelings. My gosh. Uh, How do you like I guess for me, I will be completely honest. I'm not so good with dealing with all the fears and insecurities and all the things that come up. Like, but for you, like, how do mm-hmm. you generally, you know, cause you're now in private practice and you're just now starting this group and, and, you know, there's always that the inner critic as you talk oh. about on your website, right? Like, how do you deal with that? That's a great question. So for me, it's definitely. It takes a lot of being mindful and present with myself and the feelings that are coming up. So trying to do that sort of self-exploration about what's behind it. Yes, is it that part of me that's saying, you can't do this? Why are you even trying? You know, that sort of thing. But also, I am in therapy myself because I feel like that's really important. So a lot of the stuff I work through with my therapist too, which has been really helpful. You know, she is very much sort of gives a reminds me to give myself permission to be afraid if I need to be. And that's been so helpful. Uh, But I also have some amazing friends who are in this private practice world who very much encourage and support. So that's been really helpful too, to just have them be excited for me and just be like, yeah, do this. It's needed. Mm -hmm. Like, go for it. So that's been really helpful. Yeah, no, it's awesome. Yeah, I, I think the more I, I do this, I realize, you know, the the more that we can't do this alone, you know. Yeah, I know, I know. And I think, well, for one, that like your group that's selling the couch, you know, Facebook group has been really great for me, just even though sometimes it's a little intimidating, because I feel like, you know, 
there's times where it's like, my gosh, everybody's got it all together except mm-hmm. for me. You know, there's that that will come up. But on the whole, you know, if you put stuff out there, it's very supportive and helpful and guiding. But I do think you need to have other people and other therapists there to kind of work with and talk to and go through, you know, these situations with them too, because their perspective can be super helpful. Yeah, no, absolutely. I wanted to shift a little bit and just talk about your practice. And I guess the first question is, you created a practice that was focused on serving those with anxiety. What motivated you to do this? So I was motivated to do this. So my first supervisor who has been super great through all, you know, my evolutions from in this journey, you know, right off the bat was like, you, you know, should identify that ideal client, that person you really want to work with. And so I was, you know, putting it down on paper and then really like thinking about it. And then I'm looking at it. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is me. This is me. Like I'm talking about myself here. So basically I was like, all right, well, I have struggled with this in my life. I have struggled with anxiety. I have come to a place where I feel like I manage it pretty well. And there were definitely times that I didn't. And I know what that's like. And I really felt driven to help others find that place where it doesn't overwhelm them and take over their life because it can. And so that's, that's how I decided to, you know, make this my focus. And so I think too my experience at working at the hospital because so many people that we saw, you know, it didn't necessarily have to be acute trauma. It didn't have to be stuff that happened in that moment. So we saw a lot of people through the mental health part of the hospital. And so there were people that would come who were just so overwhelmed by the anxiety because of the past trauma. And I was like that, like I need to help people with that. Like that is because there really weren't a lot of great resources out there for them. It sounds like you did this like, I know it wasn't always like clean and and so like clean cut, but you took something that you have struggled with, which is what I've tried to do on my own private practice journey, right? Like something you've struggled with, found the population that needs that support. And I don't know, like for me, and, and I want to hear like your thoughts around this, but like for me, I think in a way like for the most part, I think it's good because, you know, I work mainly work with entrepreneurs. And so I go through that journey every day. I know what it's like, the fears and the anxieties and all of these things. And that's a wonderful thing because it informs like how I serve people, right? Absolutely. But sometimes I can be challenged of like almost over empathizing or over what's mm-hmm. the word? Almost, yeah. Like you're like, just because I've struggled with this, it must mean like you've struggled with this in the same way, right? Do you ever struggle with that in like in your practice of like knowing that you've had this experience and knowing that you can speak the language, but also... Yeah, totally. And not assuming that they're going through exactly what's going happening that happened for you too. like, yeah, sort of over identifying with like, I know where you are. (laughs) I get it. Yeah. So... I mean, I feel like there is a part of therapy where that can be really true and genuine. If somebody is describing the struggle that they're having in that particular moment, to be able to say to them, like, I know, like, I know what you're going through and mean it 
from your heart, like I think that can be incredibly powerful. But there is that other side of it to recognize that just because I can understand where they are, it doesn't necessarily mean that how I'm feeling or was feeling is how they're feeling in that moment. So, you know, exploring that with them, being able to say, and some, there are times where I will be very honest and say like, okay, this is what's coming up for me. Like, this is what I'm feeling when you're describing this, but tell me if that applies to you too. Like, is this something that you're feeling? And sometimes they're like, eh, no, not really, (laughs) (laughs) which is fine, you know, but I want them to know that I am engaged and, and that is what's coming up for me, Mm. you know, um, yeah, that no, I am feeling things. Yeah. No, no, it's such a good way, I think, of, of phrasing it, right? Like, on some ways, you're giving them permission as well to, to yes. experience it. I wanted to shift a little bit to your website mm-hmm. and talk a little bit about it. And if you guys are listening, you can follow at, along at Biz's website, which is at progressioncounseling.com. But I was exploring the website, and one of the things I just immediately noticed is that it's very like intentional in terms of the words you put in, but you have lots of like white space. I think it's like overly nerdy, but I just thought, you know, was that intentional? Because for me, my mind went, you know what, someone that's struggling with anxiety, they might already be like just feeling overwhelmed, right? And so something like white space, right, is sort mm-hmm. of like it's not emotionally charging. I don't know if that was intentional <laughs> or if I just like way overanalyzed that. No, I wish that I could say that it was completely intentional. But I would say that for me, you know, looking at it, like, you know, creating it. So I do my own website. So, you know, my son helped me get it up like created, helped me create a homepage and then I added the content. But then since then I've been edited, I play with it, I do it myself. But I guess I just haven't felt the need to have, you know, I do in my blog, I have photos and, you know, pictures and, you know, lay it out a little more intentionally there in terms of, you know, photos to address the content and all that. But just on the homepage, I guess the wording, the copy was such a, it really was an emotional process to put out, put forth what I thought clients would identify with and would, would you know, and really, too, looking inward, like, well, what am I doing in sessions? How am I helping clients? And that was really hard that, like, I just couldn't even, like, it was, that was enough. Like, okay, I've got the copy. I've got the wording the way I want it. And in fact, initially, I didn't even have like a photo of myself or anything. And then I had put it up on other, you know, like where people will tell you, you know, other therapists will comment and offer suggestions. And people are like, you need photos (laughs) You need to put yourself up there. I'm like, oh, okay. You know, so definitely has been a, a journey, but not intentional from the outset, but have the feedback that I've gotten from the clients who find me through like a Google search and hit my website, they're like, this just speaks to me. So I feel like, okay, well, it does what it's supposed to do. Yeah. And I'm just going to read like, if it's okay, I'm just going to read like a little paragraph out of it just to, I think, speak further to the way that you have used language to speak to someone that is struggling with anxiety. Okay. Um, 
So this paragraph that I'm just looking at right now, it says, uh, it's on your homepage, it says, when stress gets to be too much, when emotions become overwhelming, when anxiety consumes you, I want to help you make the changes in yourself and in your life so that you feel more balanced, more focused, and better able to manage each challenge you face. Mm. Yeah, I don't know, I just like, brief sentence, but so powerful. I mean, for me, and I'd love to like hear your thoughts around this, even the structure of the sentence, but I love how it progresses from where someone is to mm-hmm. where they want to be and where you're going to take them. Yeah. Well, and I think that was something that I learned through some coaching with writing, but mm-hmm. also looking at other people's websites that like it's so important to offer some of that, you know, like not just the pain part of it, you know, not just the struggle, but like, where are we going to go with this? Where can we end up? Where do you, you know, you hope to be through this journey? Mm-hmm. And I'm glad that it resonates. You know, it's not always easy for me to put, I mean, I feel like I'm getting better at it, but to put into words, you know, what I hope to convey. So I'm glad that that resonates. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it is. It's, I think it's a challenge for many of us to like, well, well, I mean, communicate like what we feel, right? Like the depth yes, of it. Yes, that genuineness. Yes, yes. Because mm-hmm. it does take looking inward. Yeah. You know, it's not right. just looking at the client. It's looking at like, well, how do I feel about this too? Like, I want you to know how passionate that I am or, you know, invested I am in helping you. Mm-hmm. So. Biz, one of the questions that I was just thinking about, like, as we were talking about this, I feel like you alluded to the fact that you had folks that helped you with like with writing and uh, it sounds like you've probably like looked at some copywriting kind of materials a lot of us do this in private practice yes now how do you i guess personally balance some of that knowledge that you've picked up from coaches and from copywriting and books and all this stuff with just genuinely wanting to you know connect with clients on your website yeah yeah so i think part of that process is really you know, if you choose to work with a writing coach is to be very open and honest with them. And it takes being vulnerable and really looking within yourself as to what you feel like is important to convey. So not just the pain points, but where you want to go with that. But I also think you do have to be clear about your own voice. Like, how do you want that to be out there in the world? And You know, there are times where I don't want it to be all serious and, you know, hard and I want to have that compassion come through. So I think it is just you really need to sort of tune into being true to what you believe. Like, you know, I've had some suggestions from coaches like, well, you need to do X, Y and Z. And like for me, I'm like, oh, that doesn't feel true and genuine to what I need to do. But I can take some of the tips they're giving me and then put it into words that make me feel comfortable. Hmm. No, Does that abs- make sense? Yeah, no, absolutely. I've got like two questions for you. Love. The first one is you talk a lot like about managing anxiety on your website. One of the things I, I love about it is that you provide psychoeducation in just like a graceful and it's like a non-stigmatizing way. Right. So you have like, you explain what it is and how am I impacting? And then at the end of it, 
right? I feel like for many of us, we could just write the page and then call it a day, right? But you mm-hmm. you actually did a call to action at the end, right? Where mm-hmm. you're like, you know, please, this resonates for you, please schedule. Mm-hmm. What motivated you to, I guess, structure it in that way? I feel like for some people, especially people who are struggling with anxiety, that maybe reading about it might make them more anxious, that it might bring up stuff for them that really feels triggering, or maybe it just brings home to them like, wow, that is me. And maybe it's okay to ask for some help. So I guess I just wanted it to be easy to do and right there and yeah, just make it super accessible instead of them having to like, okay, I got to go back to the homepage to find her or whatever. I got to scroll to the bottom to find this phone number. Like it just click on that and send me a little email. So Mm. is there like, I guess have clients mentioned it or is there a way like you're tracking, like, have you gotten like good click throughs on that by having that, I guess, structuring in that way? I definitely get quite a few inquiries through that. Like, I don't know that my website, I guess it probably does track analytics in terms of what page is getting me the contact. I would say probably it's the homepage that I get the most, but too through my blog. I think that people submit like a form through that because I have the little thing that pops up that, you know, would you like more information? And so I've gotten some inquiries through that too. So, but yeah, I mean, I definitely, you know, whether, you know, I don't know, I guess, honestly, which page drives the most. I believe it's the homepage where I get the most inquiries directly through that, like through a form and saying like, hey, can you talk to me further about this? I think the general idea of like talking to one person and then having a clear call to action at the end I feel like it's something that's logical, you know? Mm-hmm. And yeah. I don't know, like, for me, this might be, like, overly simple, but, like, when in doubt, I like to keep it as simple as possible, right? For a majority of us in private practice, it's, yeah. uh, you know, speaking to our clients and asking them to, you know, give us a call if it resonates for them, and you want to make that as easy as possible. Definitely, definitely. I wanted to wrap up. You alluded to this earlier, (laughs) talking about you are jumping into groups and you've got one group that is getting off the ground. Uh, It's called Mm -hmm. Women Mindfully Managing Anxiety. You've also got two other groups coming up, hopefully soon, a mindfulness group for men and women, and then just a mindfulness group for men. What motivated you to jump into groups? So as I said before, it's been something that I had hoped to move forward with. And it was actually like probably about a month and a half ago, like really giving myself a hard time about like, all right, here you are, you've, you know, you said you wanted to do this, and you haven't done anything. And like, I went to my therapy appointment, and I'm like, I just can't, you know, I just can't get off the ground. And there's all these things I want to do. And she looked at me, and she's like, really, Biz? Like, you know, you just got fully licensed. You're mm. just starting your private practice. Like, just take a deep breath, you know? <laughs> Give yourself a break. It's okay. And literally, like, that afternoon, I was like, I know what I want to do. I know what group I want. And I just put it all out on paper. And I'm like, I, I can do this. <laughs> so, of course, along the way, I'm still going, oh, my gosh, what am I doing? <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's, it's amazing how when somebody that we value and trust just gives us permission, how yeah. much of a, like, I guess, a removal of barrier that can be. 
Yes, yeah. And she laughed because I guess I maybe I'd put it out into a sphere where she was aware of it. And she, the next time I saw her, she's like, the group. I'm like, I know. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. I'm so grateful for you. I'm grateful for the way that you serve. I'm grateful for the way that you help our colleagues in small and in big ways. Where can folks learn more about you and the work that you're doing in the world? Yeah. So, well, my website is probably the best place, but that's progressioncounseling.com. I'm also on Twitter, Facebook, where else? LinkedIn. Yeah. And so, you know, I am a regular blogger. So that definitely, you know, there's tons of content there in terms of what I'm doing. But yeah, so my website is probably the best place to to find me. And I actually just got approved to be a, what do they call it, like an expert contributor, I think, for good therapy. So I'm going to have a blog there as well. So that's nice. Congrats. That's exciting. (laughs) It is. It is. Yeah. Focusing on women and anxiety. So that's super exciting. Yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing how you're going to be able to serve more folks through that interview. Absolutely. Have a wonderful rest of your day, okay? Thanks, Melvin. Thank you so much. You're so welcome. All right. Hey, gang. Hope you enjoyed my conversation with Biz, and I hope that it's given you some different motivation and just a different way of looking at things with regard to your private practice. There was one key thing that that I took away from today's podcast session, and uh, that's just the power of focusing on a niche, right? So, for example, Biz actually just focused on working with those with anxiety, right? And I don't know, for me, like initially when I was thinking about it, I was like, oh, you're focusing on just anxiety. How are you actually going to broaden that? But one of the neatest things Biz has done is that she's taken um, sort of a presenting concern, which is anxiety, but then she's said, you know what, I'm actually going to form work with individuals. I'm going to work with women who struggle with anxiety. And then I'm going to launch groups where I can focus on anxiety. So even if you do focus on a presenting concern, I think one thing I'm taking away is that you can actually build different services that assist and alleviate those symptoms of that presenting concern. Again, you guys can find more information about today's session over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash session and the number 136. And as we wrap up again, I wanted to thank the folks over at Theranest for supporting today's podcast session. I actually wanted to just talk about one of the cool features that Theranest offers, which for many of us after a client session the whole billing, invoicing, claims, all of that stuff becomes quite difficult or can be. But uh, Theranest makes it really easy for us to actually just create print and email invoices and super bills to our clients so you don't ever have to worry about uh, forgetting to bill for that session. And you can actually also start accepting credit cards as well so there's no application or anything that you have to fill out. Uh, and then you can also submit electronic claims directly from Theranest so you get faster payments. You can learn more about Theranest and the work they're doing in the world over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash Theranest. And if you guys go through that link, you actually get a, a special discount that they offer to our community. Have a wonderful rest of your day. And I'm so grateful for you and grateful that you took the time to listen to today's session. Take good care. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Selling the Couch podcast. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit www.sellingthecouch.com.
So if you've been listening to the STC podcast for a while, or you've been listening to podcasts and you've had this thought of, Mel, I would love to launch my own podcast in order to grow my business. Just wanted to encourage you to check out our free podcasting workshop, which is over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash podcasting workshop. You can basically sign up at a day and a time that works for you. It's 90 minutes. And when I do these workshops or when I record them, I truly believe in the quality teaching, so it's going to be well worth your time. We're going to go through gear recommendations and how to launch strategically and how to think about monetizing your podcast and how to line up your podcast with your existing offers and how to do it strategically and authentically uh, and not salesy and slimy um, and all of those things. So again, the link is over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash podcasting workshop.